Jesus is calling every single person across the whole face of the earth. Amen? The call is going out from the north to the south, from the east to the west. And it's a specific call. It's a very specific call. Come to me and follow me. Come unto me and follow me. This is Jesus' call. His desire is that a person would come to him, lay down their life, and follow him. It's, it's a radical calling. When I just described what he's asking us to do, it's a radical calling. It's a radical thing. Come unto me, lay your life down, give it to me, and follow me. That's it. And to those who answer the call, they find life. To those who answer that call, they find life. Why would we follow Jesus? I think that's a good question. I'm a person, I like to ask questions. If you've been around me for long, you've heard me speak, I, I like to ask a lot of questions because there's a lot of questions. People have questions, I have questions, you have questions. I like to ask a lot of questions. Why would we follow Jesus anyways? Well, he said he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So it is in following Jesus that we find the way in our life. We find the right way that he has laid out for us. It's in following Jesus that we find truth. So if you're looking for truth, you'll find it in Jesus. The definition of truth is actually that which, which is ultimately real. So we, we come into ultimate reality in following Christ. And in following Jesus, we find life because he is the life. He's the author of life. In him, he created all life. Amen? So it's in following him that we find the way, the truth, and the life. Now, we've been looking these last five weeks talking about the five Levitical sacrifices. One, week, one a week for five weeks. You've, if you've been here, that's congratulations. You've been doing very well. Five weeks, five weeks in Leviticus, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, and chapter five. The burnt sacrifice, the grain sacrifice, the peace sacrifice, the sin sacrifice, and the trespass sacrifice. Do we have them up there? Yeah. Yes. Burnt, grain, peace, sin, trespass. Do you have them in your head? Do you have them in your mind? Do you have them in your heart? Burnt, grain, peace, sin, trespass. I put it up there like that so that, I, you know, just, just that that would just be indelibly marked in your head so that you can see that. Tonight we're going to look at the sacrifices fulfilled. First, how Jesus fulfilled the five sacrifices in his life and ministry. And secondly, how in following Jesus in our lives, there is a process where we come through and fulfill each of the five sacrifices in our own lives as we follow Christ. So tonight, I want to take a look at this passage about the calling of Christ that goes out. And this is a, a passage of scripture that deals with the time where Jesus called his very first disciples. The text is Matthew chapter 4, and let's pick it up in verse 18. 
it says this, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. And there they were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Wow, what a great passage of scripture. Really, when you think about it, I don't know if it dawned on you what just happened in this passage, but he just, he just called Simon and Andrew and James and John, just like that. Think about that group right there. <laughs> what, a, what an awesome, awesome situation. But this is the calling of Christ. He calls us, he, he bids to us to come unto him. And what's amazing about this passage is that they did. They, what's, what's really wild about this particular passage is that they, they just literally left what they were doing. They, they left what they were doing to, to give full attention to Christ. And we sang it in the song about him having our attention and him having that place in our lives. And, and I think, you know, that definitely happened for those guys on that particular day. He, they gave uh, Jesus their, their attention in their lives. So I want to look at now with this calling in mind, I want to look at how Jesus fulfills the sacrifices. Uh, Jesus fulfilling the sacrifices. Jesus, again, he is the perfect sacrifice. And I've said, I believe I've said this every week for the last five weeks, that Jesus, that the, the, the plan of God was to send a sacrifice that it would be a perfect sacrifice. And in order to telegraph that perfect sacrifice in advance, it wasn't going to be able to just be one sacrifice, but literally it was five sacrifices with very specific instructions that we read and that we went through. And the totality of those five sacrifices together is pictures for us the perfection of the sacrifice of Christ. And so Jesus is the perfect sacrifice as seen in these five sacrifices. So not, not, only, not only did he fulfill them, and we can say that kind of in a sentence, well, Jesus fulfilled the sacrifices. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus fulfilled the sacrifices. But there, there were specific moments in time that he did this. That, that there, was, there were markers. There were, there were kind of, uh, you know, like if you looked at it like an obstacle course, you know, he came to specific uh, stations, really, where he where, where he was kind of coming into and fulfilling that particular aspect of, of his ministry, of his life, of, of, of the work that he came to accomplish. So it really starts in the order that the sacrifices are presented. Okay, so Jesus fulfills the sacrifices in the biblical order. Uh, and so we come to the burnt sacrifice. Um, in the first thing that you see in, in the life and the ministry of Jesus is that he, he, he comes uh, to be baptized, right? 
We see Jesus when he's a babe in Bethlehem. We read little passages where uh, Joseph and Mary took him into Egypt to, to, to kind of wait out the death of Herod and all that. And we see this little snippet of Jesus when he was 12 years old. And I love that passage where, you know, he's about his father's business and just, you know, just kind of laying down things. And he's got these old guys at the temple just kind of hanging on every word. Here he is, 12, you know. And then we don't, you don't see anything about Jesus, you know. You just know that he was working with his dad, Joseph the carpenter, and then we don't see him until he comes on the scene and he, he approaches uh, John the Baptist to be baptized in water, right? And historically, this happened in, a, in and around 28 A.D., and, and he, he came to be baptized by John. Now, baptism specifically is a picture of death and resurrection. You have the person going down into the water, the person coming up out of the water. So down into the water is kind of the, the death, of the, the watery grave, if you will. And then coming back up out of the water is the, is the, the raise to life. And so really what you have shown in baptism is is this giving yourself unto death to have life, right? And, and so he was doing this so that all things would be fulfilled. And baptism is, a, in that sense, a picture of death, but that through the death comes the life, and so that there's a total commitment that's involved. There's a total uh, dedication, a total devotion. Uh, when you go to present yourself, uh, for water baptism, it's, it should be so that, like, I'm not holding anything back. I'm giving it all to Jesus, amen? And, and, and that's what it was. I'm, 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 I'm laying down my life, and Jesus is now doing this in such a way, and it becomes a picture of total dedication. The burnt sacrifice is that sacrifice that pictures for us the total dedication, the total devotion, and so he starts off his ministry with just this picture for us that he is all in, he's all committed, this thing is going down, I've come into this world for this purpose, and, 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 and this is going to happen. He was totally committed, totally consumed from that moment forward with being the burnt sacrifice. Why? Because the time was right. The time was at hand for him to begin his ministry. Amen? But then you come to the grain sacrifice, right? So you, he, he presents himself for baptism. That's kind of that devotion, that burnt sacrifice. Then he comes to the grain sacrifice. Immediately following his baptism, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit out into the desert. And he was on a 40-day fast. And he was out in the desert. He fasted for 40 days. And at that time, he was tempted by Satan. He was tempted. The grain offering is seen in the temptation of Jesus, where he was tempted, he was tried. In that sense, you could say he was sifted. He was sifted in the process of temptation. He was sifted in the process of denying the flesh and going through that, that time of fasting and that time of direction and that time of, of preparation in that sense. And so he was tempted, tried, and sifted, and he overcame the temptation, right? 
He, he answered Satan, each one of them. We don't have time to go through that, those particular passages, but he answered Satan's temptations every time with the word of God. The one that, you know, he, he was obviously on the fast, so uh, being hungry, Satan says, if you're the son of God, turn this stone into a, a, a loaf of bread. And of course, Jesus was right there with Deuteronomy. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus went through this time of trial, testing, fasting, sifting, and what was found was that he was pure, fine flour. Amen? What was found that it was, he was pure, fine flour, ready to be the grain sacrifice. Amen? And then you come to the peace sacrifice. After his temptation, he went out into his ministry. And I, I mentioned this when we talked about the peace sacrifice. One of the things that marked Jesus' ministry was that he ate with people. He was, he, 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 in fact, it was a charge against him. Why does he eat with? Uh, just suddenly came into my head the old way of saying that, publicans and sinners. Remember that? <laughs> Not republicans and sinners, but publicans. Publicans, you know, tax collectors and sinners. Why does he eat with these people? And of course, Matthew's gospel, whom we just read, we talked about the time that he called Matthew down off the tax collector booth, and Matthew throws him a party, throws him a, a dinner, and invites everybody over. So Jesus' ministry uh, was marked, really, with him eating with people, going out to meet with people, going out to teach people, going out to fellowship with people. And so in this way, he kind of modeled the peace sacrifice because he came to be kind of that mediator between God and man. Paul puts it this way that, you know, we have this mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And he's the peace sacrifice, the one that has established peace, the one that has torn down the walls of separation, that has torn down the dividing line, dividing walls, and, and has, has brought together uh, in one person, a, a people. And, and he's brought together people who, who were of the religious elite and who were tax collectors, who were sinners, who were, and when I say sinners, you know, and then there's parts of the Bible where it says, you know, all these things are, are the things of the, you know, that, that people do that are sinners, right? Yeah, all those things. And there's some gruesome lists in the New Testament. You know, Paul, Paul puts one together in 1 Corinthians. You know, he says, people who do this and this and this and this and this and this and this are not going to inherit the kingdom. And then there's another passage in Revelation. But that's all to say that, yes, people are sinners, that we're sinners and we, we don't have peace with God. But Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. He's the peace sacrifice. And he's come and he's offering a, 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 a mediation. He's offering the, 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 the offer of peace with God. And he's wanting to sit down and eat and fellowship and share and teach and preach so that you can be reconciled to God, so that I can be reconciled with God, to God, so that 
Every single person that hears the gospel and responds can be reconciled to God. So Jesus proclaimed, just as you would bring the sacrifice, the peace sacrifice, remember that was the sacrifice where you brought some of it was burned up and some of it was eaten by the person who brought it. And so it was really kind of that barbecue meal with the Lord, right? And we see that passage in John chapter six where Jesus said, you know, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have no part of me, right? And, and, and he came offering himself. He came offering everything that he was so that we could partake of him, so that we could partake of the peace sacrifice. Amen? And, and, and he did it perfectly. And then, of course, that brings us to the sin sacrifice. In April of AD 32, Jesus made his way to Jerusalem and made his way ultimately to the cross at Calvary. And at his sentencing, he took the sins of the world upon himself. You'll remember when we were talking about the sin sacrifice, there was that moment that he took the sins of the world upon him. Remember, he was, he was scourged and flogged. And then there was that moment that the soldiers took the thorns and they fashioned them into the crown and they took literally the, the symbol of the curse of sin that was on man and literally drove it into his head as a crown. And then they grabbed that scarlet robe and put it. So there he is this, this, in this, wrapped in this scarlet robe with the sign of the curse of sin upon his head, the, the, the literal thorns. And there he is taking upon himself the sin of the world. And not just the sin, but the sin nature. The sin sacrifice is seen in, in, in him taking the sins of the world upon himself and in going to the cross and dying because of the sins of the world. On the cross, Jesus dealt with our sin nature and provided a, a way for us to be free. He provided a way out of this bondage, out of this place that we were in, just absolute, complete bondage to sin. And I like the way that the, the, the song put it, that we sang tonight, where it says, he salvaged me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that grabbed you. Every time we've sung that so far, it's like he salvaged me. And, and, and when you bring up the word salvage, you know, I mean, that's kind of like a Sanford and Son type, <laughs> type word, right? That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a word that just brings to your mind at least to my mind, a field of old cars that are just junked where you go in there and you're trying to find like a back. I don't know if people do this anymore. People, we don't, you don't go pick parts anymore, right? Remember when you would literally go to the salvage yard and they'd say, oh, you need a part? Here, here's a wrench. Go out there and find it. Remember that? And you'd go out there and you'd just be out there and trying to find the exact part that you, that you needed. <coughs> he salvaged us. He set us free. He, he brought us out of that place of destitution. Amen? And then, we, and then we come to the trespass sacrifice. Also on the cross, Jesus dealt with all of our individual sins. So he, he dealt with the sin nature, but he also dealt with the individual sins. So he, he, he took upon himself the sin of the world. 
But then in this moment in time on the cross, you have Jesus actually articulating this idea of, of, of forgiving people for even doing what they were doing, right? Here, here it was, they had no, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Here he is on the cross. He, he knows full well what's happening. He knows full well that he's, he's given his life for the, for the sins of the world. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So Jesus wants to forgive your sins, and he took care of that in the trespass sacrifice on the cross. Now, we want to move into, so did you, did you follow that? Whereas Jesus fulfills the sacrifices specifically and in time in his ministry and in the order, the biblical order there that we see in Leviticus. Now what I want to do is I want to talk to you about how you fulfill the sacrifices. How you fulfill the sacrifices in your life. For anyone who desires to follow Jesus, this process of the five sacrifices is reversed. Whereas Jesus fulfills the five sacrifices in the biblical order, we come back through the five sacrifices in the reverse order. And this is how it happens in our lives. Anyone who chooses to follow Jesus applies the benefit of Jesus' sacrifice in the reverse order of the five sacrifices. So let's walk through this. The trespass sacrifice. When someone first comes to Jesus, when you first came to Jesus, the first thing a person realizes is that they have committed a sin. They have to feel, you have to come to a place where you realize that you have committed at least one sin. And you see different people out there uh, evangelizing and doing different things. And one of the guys that's out there, that uh, his name is Ray Comfort. Anybody know who Ray Comfort is? And he has a, a style of evangelism that he calls the way of the master. And th- there's some criticisms out there a little bit about what he does and some praise on, on the other side in terms of what he does. And, and I will say this, the good thing about the way of the master is that you do have to bring somebody to realize that they have committed at least one sin, to get them to see that they have, because a lot of people think that they're a good person, that they're basically, people are basically good. There's two kinds of people in this world. People that think that everybody's basically good and the rest of people that realize, that live in the reality. <laughs> right? And, uh, and, and, and that is truer than, 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 than we can comment on here tonight. But anyways, so, so, you know, he'll begin by asking people, have you ever told a lie? And people think, oh, yeah, I guess I've lied. Well, have you ever stolen anything? Ah, uh, yeah, I guess, I, I guess I, 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 I've probably taken some things. Well, have you ever committed adultery? People say, oh, no, I've not committed adultery. Well, have you ever looked at a person with lust in your heart? Jesus said, if a man looks at a woman with lust in his heart, he's already committed adultery. Have you ever, and then the last one I don't, that's where I kind of have a different, different view on the uh, blas- 
blaspheming the Lord's name. But um, anyways, he basically gets them to admit that they're a, they're a lying, uh, thieving, adulterer at heart. And getting them to a place of realizing, okay, well, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do with the reality that you've lied, that you've stolen, that you've, you've done these things? And, and, and realizing that you've committed a sin. And this is where we come and we realize, whoa, I, I have sinned. I've, I've, I've committed these sins before God. Wow, I, I need a savior. And, and that's really where you're kind of, once you realize that you have sinned and, and specifically, and that that specific sin has caused a separation uh, in your life and that your destiny has been affected by that, but that Jesus offers a way to alter that destiny and bring you into the family of God and have you forgiven and that you would spend eternity with him forever and ever and ever, you go, wow, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to be saved? And, and of course, the, the answer is repenting of your sins, forsaking your former life, your former self, giving yourself to Jesus and following him. And that's the answer, amen? amen. And so we do this when we realize that we have committed specific sins. And then, of course, there's that verse that we come to, 1 John 1, 9. And if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins. Amen? So you're justified. What happens when you come through the trespass sacrifice? You realize that you're justified. What happens is you have been justified. It's the principle of justification which means when you come through the trespass sacrifice, justification says you, your, your sins are wiped out, wiped clean, wiped away, cast away. As far as the east is from the west, you, they're thrown into this place called the Sea of Forgetfulness, right? Where there's a sign that says no fishing allowed, right? And, and, and uh, that's, that's added, but you know, anyways... <laughs> But, but it's, it's, it's cast away, amen? And so you're justified. It's the principle of justification. Justification is this. You're justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned again. That's a good way to remember it. What is justification? Ju- it's just as if I'd never sinned. And that's what Jesus does. He justifies you with the trespass Sacrifice. But then we come to the sin sacrifice. Next, a person arrives at the sin sacrifice where you realize that you have sinned and not just committed specific sins just arbitrarily, but you've sinned because you are a sinner and you have a sin nature that you were literally born, as David said. Certainly from my mother's womb, I was in sin, conceived in sin. And so you come to the sin sacrifice where you realize that you're a sinner. You've sinned because you're a sinner. You realize you're a sinner because you have sinned. You have a sin nature. We have a sin nature, and that's taken care of by the sin sacrifice. After you're justified by Christ with the trespass sacrifice, you're then sanctified at the sin sacrifice, right? Sanctification. So justification is just as if I'd never sinned at all. Sanctification 
is now that you've been justified, Jesus wants to sanctify you, which means he wants to set you apart. He wants to make you holy. He said, be holy as I am holy. Be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. Right? What is holy? Holy means separate, set apart. He's in his own league. (laughs) God is in a league of his own, and he wants to bring us into his league, right? He wants to bring us into his holiness, and he wants to set us apart, so he wants to sanctify us. So there's there's a there's a, a a thing where you're sanctified, and then there's I believe what there's a, there's a process of sanctification. You say, well, <laughs> you get into a theological debate about whether sanctification is a momentary situation or a process. And if I was making my case that sanctification is a process, it would be very quick. It would be a very quick case. Okay, here's my case all Christians throughout history, <laughs> okay? We, you're not made perfect. You're justified just as if you had never sinned at all, but you're going through a process of being set apart for him and set apart in your lifestyle, set apart in your thinking, set apart in your walk, right? And that is a process where you are set apart, sanctified by the word of God. In fact, Jesus prayed that we would be sanctified by his word. He prayed that prayer in John 17, 17. Write it down, John 17, 17. Sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth, right? And so we're being sanctified. We're being set apart. And that happens with the sin sacrifice, amen? So we're justified, we're sanctified, and then we come to the peace sacrifice. We come to the peace sacrifice, and this is where a person proceeds to the peace sacrifice, and they realize, wow, I've been justified, I'm sanctified, I'm being set apart. Wow, this is wonderful. I've been brought into peace with God. I've been brought into this glorious relationship. I've been brought into a fellowship. I've been brought into a communion with the Lord. I have this relationship with God. And now you realize that you're you're walking and living in the peace sacrifice. Amen? I now have peace with God. I have communion with God. I'm now invited to the table of the Lord to share a meal with the Lord I've, I've opened the door because he was knocking at the door and he said, if any man hears my voice, I will come in and, and eat with him and he with me and I've opened the door and I'm, and I'm just basking in this relationship. I'm basking in this idea of sharing and fellowship with the Lord. You're, you're, welcome, you're a welcome member at the table of the Lord. I used to hear my dad say every time he led the church in communion, he would say, this table is not my table. This table is not this church's table. And he would name the name of the church. He said, this table is the Lord's table. And you know who's welcome at this table? Anyone who's in the family of God. You have been given a rightful seat at the table. You can come to the table of the Lord. Amen? So you have a seat at the table to share a meal with the Lord. You're a welcome member of the family at the Lord's table. You're invited to celebrate with the Lord 
because you have peace with God. And this fellowship and peace with God, I believe, is something that needs to be enjoyed and celebrated daily. And so I want to ask you, do you celebrate and enjoy the peace that you have with God daily? Daily? Thinking about that? Thinking about the peace that has been made through Christ on your behalf and that you have been brought into the family, you've been brought into right relationship. And then you come from the peace sacrifice and you come to the grain sacrifice. As a person progresses in their faith in Jesus Christ, they, be, they become a grain sacrifice. When we talked about the grain sacrifice, one of the points of application that I made on that particular night was I said this, you're going to be sifted. One way or the other, you're going to be sifted. And the only question is, who, it, who is it that you're going to allow to sift you? Are you going, remember when Jesus said the, the enemy has, yeah. has asked to sift you and I have prayed for you? Mm. Peter, right? Who is it that you're going to allow to sift you? Jesus wants to sift you. He's going to sift you. In, in, and I, I think you can tie this grain sacrifice into the sanctification process because the sifting brings about the sanctification. Because in the sifting, you're, he's going to sift through the things of your life. He's going to sift through things. He's going to sift through thinking that you have in your head. Some of your thinking needs to be sifted out. It's fool's gold. It's not real gold. It's not good. You're thinking, oh, I got this thought. I got this thing. I'm holding on to this because this is, this is it. No, it's not. You need to let it go. You need to let it be sifted out of there and turn it over to Jesus. Amen? Yes. Some, of you have, some of us need thinking sifted out. We need activity sifted out of our lives. Actions, words, uh, the, just the way we are. Remember, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think we were, in, we, we were in our Roman series on Wednesday night, and I said, you don't get to say, this is just the way I am. A Christian no longer, that's no longer an excuse for a Christian. If you ever hear me, well, that's just the way I am. You're just stuck with it. Well, no, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. You need to be a grain sacrifice. You need to allow the Lord to sift you. He's working on you. He's working on your walk. He's working on your talk. He's working on your thinking. And, 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 he's, and he's, he's perfecting the flower. He wants you to be the fine flower of the grain sacrifice. And so you've got to submit yourself. You've got to submit yourself to the refining of the grain sacrifice. Remember when, Jesus, when God said he sits as a refiner of silver, right? There's that, that, that refining of the, of, the, of the precious metal where you just have to put that silver up over the fire until all the impurities melt off and then they skim off the, the, the impurities and what you're left with is just the pure silver, right? So he's, he, he, he's going to put you through the refiner's fire. Oh, cue refiner's fire for the end. <laughs> he's going to put you through the refiner's fire. He's going to put you through the sifter. 
because he wants you to be pure silver. He wants you to be fine flour, right, for the sacrifice. He's going to get all the lumps out, all the leaven. He's going to get it all out. Well, this is a tough one, church. This is one where you have to say, okay, God, I'm, go ahead and sift. Go ahead and sift. Let me just, can I, can I say something on this point? Can I say something? Just a little bit of an observation. There's a lot of people, we, we, need, we need the Lord to do some, some sifting. <laughs> we, need to do, we, need, we need the Lord to do some sitting as a refiner of silver. Amen? I know he... He needs, to, he needs to sift me. He needs to put the, turn the heat up. Ooh. You sign up for this. You sign up. But oh, it's worth it. Oh, it's worth it in the long run. Amen? Amen. And then the burnt sacrifice. The burnt sacrifice. As a believer progresses through these sacrifices, they finally come to the place that, that, where they become the burnt sacrifice. This is where we say to the Lord, I am yours. I remember, I remember in junior high camp, I went and there was an evangelist at the time in the Illinois district, Sam Farina. Anybody know the name Sam Farina? Yes. And I'll never forget because every night at camp, they sang this song, he sang this song, I'm yours, Lord. Everything I've got, everything I'm not, I'm yours, Lord. Take me now and see. See if I can be completely yours. Amen? And that's where we come to the place where we realize that we are the burnt sacrifice. Amen? Where we're the burnt sacrifice. Totally consumed for the Lord. We say, Lord, I want to be yours. I want to be yours everything, totally, completely. I don't want to hold anything back. I'm giving you everything, Lord. I want to lose myself in you. I want to, 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 to be yours. Jesus, you are all that matters. Now, this is the exact theme that Paul picks up on in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. When you read that verse, this is what he's describing. He's describing the burnt sacrifice. He says this, and, 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 and it's before you put that up there. Did you already put it up there? Okay, you already put it up there. Let me just, we're in Romans on Wednesday night. We're going to be back in Romans. We're going to be picking it up in chapter 9. So we're not even here to verse 12 yet. Chapter 12. But you follow the theme of, of Romans, and, and it's, it's kind of like, you can, you can, if I was going to sum up Romans in like three or four sentences, and that's the job, but you know, you can, you know anyways, it's like, hey, we're sinners. We've fallen short of the glory. We've... We, we, we've missed the mark, you know, and, and because of that, the wages of sin is death, so we're in a very desperate situation. But thanks be to God, there's a, there's a gift of God, and that's eternal life. And, and, and he sets us free, and he calls us into his, to him, and he, he, he completely forgives us. He, he, he does this incredible work in our lives, and so that there's no 
more condemnation in our lives. And nothing can separate us from the love of God that's come. And, and then he goes into 9 through 11, where he does this whole thing where he talks about the relationship of Israel and, and, and the whole thing in, in what God was doing in choosing Israel and that whole process. And he goes and he shows all the mercy that God has just poured out and given and the love and, the, and everything that God has done in giving him of himself and the perfect sacrifice and all of it. And he gets to this verse. And he says, therefore, brothers, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What's he saying? He's saying, look, brothers and sisters, at every single thing that Jesus has done for you. Look where you were. Look what condition you were. You were dead. You were outside the family. You were outside the, 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 the commonwealth. You were outside. But he's brought you near. He's, he's given you life. So I urge you, I urge you to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Present yourself as the burnt sacrifice. In other words, put take yourself... Read this in the message. Look, look, this, look, look at this verse up in the message where he says, take everything that's you, every which way that is, can possibly define you, take it all and put it on the altar for God. This is the only reasonable thing that you can do in light of what God has done for you. It's the only reasonable thing. It's the only logical thing. Okay, folks? That's right. Wow. In fact, the word reasonable there is the word logikos in the Greek. It's the only logical thing left to do yeah. is to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. So you're the burnt sacrifice. So the question for us Christians is are we the burnt sacrifice? Are we, are we up on the altar? Are we being burned up, consumed for him? Amen? Jesus says in Matthew 10, 39, I'll throw it up on the screen. He says, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That is one of the most amazing scriptures. It's, 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 I guess you could call it, it's like a paradox. It's like if you find your life, you find your life and you've lost it. But if you'll lose your life for Christ, if you'll give your life for Christ, if you'll put yourself up on the altar as a living sacrifice, you will find yourself. You will find your life. Amen? Because your identity is in him. He, you wanna, people want to be complete. Right? They want to find the missing part. They want to find the missing link. They want to find that thing that they need to do in life. They, they want to find that, uh, whether it's a career or a, a person that's going to fulfill that. And all that's great stuff. That, I'm not putting anything down. A great job, a great career, wonderful. A, a, a wonderful spouse, a, 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 a companion, 
Hallelujah. But first things first, lose yourself in Christ and find that you've been made complete in him. Amen? The way to live is to die to yourself, to give yourself to Jesus, to be a sacrifice for God because Jesus was a perfect sacrifice for you. Amen? Amen. Jesus says this. I'll close with this. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. More abundantly. I am a firm believer. There's a lot of things being said, a lot of posts on Instagram, a lot of blogs being written, things being shared. I've come to the conclusion in my life that God's a good, good father. And he wants good, good things for you. And every good thing is from the Lord and it comes down from, from him, from the father of lights. And, and if you'll give your life to God, if you'll give your life to God you're, and, and become that burnt sacrifice, you're gonna see that God, and become that grain sacrifice, God's gonna sift some of this stuff out. I've got one more thing to say. I just want to say this. I am convinced that a lot of what I see in the church and a lot of the needs of people that I, that I see and that I'm confronted with even are direct result and, direct and directly proportional to them not giving themselves fully to Christ. And a lot of ministry that takes place ends up having to be a lot of counseling that's not biblical counseling and it's not uh, spiritual counseling. It's literally bringing people through a lot of garbage that literally would not be there if you'd give yourself to Jesus if you give yourself to Jesus amen and I can't stand up here and implore you any more than what I'm doing now is to let your life be a living sacrifice a burnt sacrifice for Jesus let him sift you let him sit as a refiner of silver you will never regret it you can take the sifting and the refining fire or you can sow to the wind and reap the whirlwind in all this other stuff that I see on a daily basis. And I will take the sifting and I'll take the heat of the refiner's fire any day of the week. Amen? Amen. Because I know my Lord's bringing me through a process and he's got me where he wants me and he's bringing me home. 